0: Hi, I'm Shane Robertson and welcome to the Maysville Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Here at Maysville, we want to practice loving God, loving others, and serving the world. I trust this sermon will be an encouragement to you as it challenges your heart and strengthens your walk of faith. Now, grab your Bibles as we get ready to hear from the Word of God.
1: Pastor, I just got a word that I want to say to you. Two words. Number one, brother, you can sing. Brother, you can sing. Matter of fact, I'm just wanting to know, would you be willing to sign autographs for people today on the way out? Would you be able to do I mean, brother, you got it. Not only can you preach, you can sing. And number two, you need to get beside him. He can sing. Number two, thank you. I'm very humbled on this day that uh, you would let me get behind the sacred desk that God has put you over to stand to preach the Word of God. So thank you, Pastor Shane, for giving me that opportunity. You know, today we're uh, thinking about Labor Day. I don't know about you, but uh, when I grew up, Labor Day had a special meaning. Uh, For my parents, it meant on this day, you're going to work. It's Labor Day. You're not in school. Anybody else in here like that? Let's see your hands. Man, I'm telling you, look at the hands. And uh, some of you are laughing. Matter of fact, Labor Day was not a good day for me, Mary Beth. I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to find somewhere I could go on Labor Day, so I wouldn't be at home. And you probably know what I'm speaking about. But Labor Day. And when we're thinking about uh, connecting God's work or our work to God's mission, we must first understand what is God's mission. We understand that ever since the fall of man back in the garden, God had one mission. And that's to reconcile sinful man back to holy God. It was so to the point that he allowed his son Jesus to leave heaven, to come to this sin-cursed world, 33 and a half years, righteously living, crucified on the cross, buried, three days resurrected again. You say, David, why did Jesus do that? Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, He came not but to seek and to save that which is lost. And the mission that you and I have, the purpose of our work should be and can be that we would help others to see their need of a Savior. And not only their need of the Savior, but to make a willing choice to choose to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bibles with you today, I pray that you have. If you don't, turn on your electronics. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to be reading in just a moment, beginning in verse 24. Today, I want to preach on this subject, the wheat and the tares. Or the wheat or the tares. And in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see a hard-hitting truth, a reality that God's Word is giving us here. In chapter 13, what you'll notice there are seven parables. The Lord Jesus Christ has stepped out of the house. He is there on the sea. And so many people have crowded around. You go in verse 1. Of 13, and you'll find he gets in a boat and he pushes out onto the water. And he goes there for one purpose. He wants to teach by using earthly stories with heavenly message, that's the parable, so that they would understand and know the truth that not everybody's gonna go to heaven. There's an old spiritual that says this that everybody's talking about heaven ain't gonna be there. And that's just true, folks. Not everybody talking about going to heaven is going to be there. Vance Hafner said there are a lot of church members who have been starched and ironed, but they've never been washed. In other words, in churches today, there are a lot of people who think they're going to go to heaven. They want to go to heaven. In matter of fact, they would bet everything that they've got that they'll go to heaven. But in this parable today, you're going to see that the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching in such a way that his disciples come to him a little later and say, of all the parables you've taught, we want to ask you some questions in particular about one. And the parable we want to talk to you about is the parable of the wheat and the tares. And so today, I want you to understand this message today is what I would call a message for those that are in the church but have never been saved. You so say, David, why in the world would you preach this message on Labor Day? When I connect my work to the mission of God, it is to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the lost might be saved. And in this setting, whether you're in this room here today or whether you're watching online, whatever platform you're watching on, um, here's the reality of, of the truth. Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 13, writing to believers now, said this, Examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. And so Paul is simply saying, and the Lord Jesus is simply saying, I want you to understand, you can look good, you can act good, you can smell good, and you can even be good. But being good is not good enough to get you to heaven. And so he begins in this parable, and I want to read it to you. And we're going to have a wonderful time together today. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. Many times when you come into a worship service, what you have been asked to do is is to pray for those around you. Anybody ever heard a preacher come in and say, I want you to pray for those that are sitting around you, pray for those that are on your left, and pray for those on your right, if if you've ever heard that, raise your hand. Well, here's what I want you to do now that you've raised your hand. I want you to pray for no one but you. I want you to draw a circle around yourself, and I want you to pray for yourself. And you say, David, why would you preach this message today? Not only does it go along with our work and God's mission, but here's what you need to understand. The truth of the matter is many lost people are believers and have their name on the church roll, but they don't have it on God's roll. Billy Graham, in a conversation, was asked this question. Billy, why do you believe there's so many people in churches today that are lost, but yet they're not saved? And they have their name on the church roll. He said, I believe that because they were never shared the true gospel. Folks, listen to me. Pastor said two weeks ago, there's an American gospel. It's a gospel of prosperity. It's a social gospel. Then there's a true gospel. Billy Graham also was asked, well, why in in this interview, why in the world do you share the way you share about church members that are lost. He said because they used to be one. Folks here's what I want you to understand you can be born in a home, raised to come to church like many of our children are here like I've raised mine you can do all the things that you think you need to do and still not do what you need to do and that's repent of your sin and by faith receive Christ as your Savior. And so what we do is we put substitutes In place of truly being born again. So if you have found your passage of scripture there, I want us to begin reading in verse 24. And I want us to look at this story here, wheat or tares. Verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now watch this. The parable of the tares is explained in verse 36. Notice what Jesus says. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away, and he went into the house. His disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels. They will gather out. Of his kingdom, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sons in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would add a blessing to your word. Father, I pray that as people here in this room this morning and those that are watching online, will not consider anyone or anything else but their self. And do they truly have a relationship with you today, God? And I pray for those that do not. I pray you will bind the devil. I pray that pride will be a lay aside and truth will be revealed. And we ask it, Father, so that souls may be saved. And the mission by which you came for, Lord Jesus, to seek and save that which is lost, will be accomplished in hearts and lives today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to notice when we look at this parable here is that the seeds are planted together. Or the wheat and the tares, they're planted together. When we look at this, we realize they're in the same field. They're in the world. We understand that they're in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what is it that God owns? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, amen. And in this field, what he's saying here is there is the true and there's the false. There is the true believer. And there is the non-believer who looks just like a real believer. There's two types of seed in God's uh, kingdom. There's the Christian and there's the counterfeit. In other words, there is the counterfeit. He has an imitation heart. Those that have probably done some things like I did when I was little. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe I'm telling you, maybe you have walked an aisle. Maybe you took a preacher by the hand, but you've never repented of your sin and received Christ as your Savior. And so when I, I was telling an individual about this, I was going to preach this this week, Shane, another person. Now here's what he said. He said, I'm glad you're going to be preaching this message. Boy, I wish you were preaching in my church. We got a lot of old tares in our church. He said, they don't ever come. He said, they don't tithe. He said, you can't find them. The FBI can't find them. He said, we got a lot of tares. Listen to me, friend. That's not a tear." A terror is a person that will come to this church or any other church. They'll be here every Sunday morning. They'll be good tithers. They'll be good givers. Listen, they'll teach Sunday school. They'll hold a position. They may even be a deacon, even a chairman of a deacon. They may be a pastor's wife. They may even be pastors. And you can't tell them apart. They're here every Sunday when the doors are open. And so there's a counterfeit. And so when you think about counterfeit, I want you to think about this. What does it take if you want to know what a counterfeit looks like? If you were working at a bank and they wanted you to be able to detect a counterfeit $20 bill, they wouldn't teach you to look at a counterfeit. What they would do is to teach you to look at the real thing. And as you study the real, you'll understand the false. You'll understand the counterfeit. So if I were to say to you today, if you're going to recognize a counterfeit, here's what you need to do you need to look at it and realize what is the real and what is the fake now here's the reality of life you're sitting here today and i'm preaching to people i'm telling you right now whether you admit it or not if jesus christ came back today you would never make it to heaven you'd never make it there because what you're basing your salvation on has nothing to do with repentance of sin and faith in christ in christ alone and you say, well, David, I know I'm saved. I know my wife's saved. No, dear friend, let me go ahead and tell you something. There's only two people know whether you're saved or I'm saved. Me and Jesus are the only ones who know whether I'm saved. And and, and, amen? And only people know whether or not you're saved are you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we come to this time in our life and we think about is there a counterfeit, is it real, some of you are living with some. Some of you are right beside some, even today, in this room where you are. And I'm telling you, this message today is not going to get a lot of amens. This message today is going to get a lot of OMEs. But I'm telling you right now, when you come to the truth and you realize what you are, then and only then can you do something about it. And so we realize that they're planted together. One night I was preaching, and after, after the service was over with, I'm telling you, it was amazing. I was hanging back late. Matter of fact, it was incredible. There was a lady who had been singing that night, Pastor Shane. She was so wonderful. She sang so good. The invitation was given. Many people gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were celebrating and talking to some of them. She had already left. All of a sudden, she came back into the building there and she was crying. And she said, Pastor David, I've got to talk to you. I said, What'd you do? Back into my truck? I mean, I didn't know what she wanted to talk about. This lady had sang many times. She'd gone to Crusades and sang. She'd gone to revivals and sang. Not many times she would sing in church. But she walked back in that room and said, Can I talk to you with tears? I said, What would you do back into my truck? She said, No, I need to tell you something. She said, My pride has kept me from telling the truth. I'm lost. I've never been saved. I looked at her and I said I've heard you sing for years I've heard you sing at crusades I've heard you tell stories and testimonies I've heard you lead people to Christ she stopped me she said I may have done a lot of things but one thing I've not done is repent of sin and invite Jesus to come into my heart and my pride will not let me go any further I've told pride it can go away I'm coming in here to talk to you she said I got in my car cranked it up, and I couldn't get out of the parking lot, God would not leave me alone. And I want you to tell me the good old gospel story so I can get saved. So, David, what'd you do? I shared the gospel story. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. You say, well, David, that's an illustration about someone we don't know. And can that really happen? Well, I want to get, let you hear it from someone that you do know who was a terror. And I've asked my wife, Donna, if she will come and share with you what it, what it means to be a tear, and then become genuine as a true believer.
2: Good morning. Good morning. First off, I well, want to tell you that um, it's a pleasure to be able to come and stand here and share with you what Christ has done in my life. Um, as a small child, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open. So I knew who God was, and I knew who Jesus was, and I knew what Jesus had done just for me. So during one revival meeting, my sister went forward, and she prayed, and she asked Christ in her heart. Well, I always wanted to be like my big sister. So the next night, I went forward. The preacher took me by the hand, and he said, do you want to be saved? And I said, yes. So he told me to kneel at the altar, and I did. And he invited everybody in the church. It was a small church. And I think just about everybody in that church came to the altar. And I knelt there, and I listened to him pray, and I cried, and I stood up. And he said, well, did you get saved? I didn't really know what that meant, but I said, yes. So my sister and I were baptized in a lake later. And I became active in the church. As I grew up, I taught Sunday school. I sang in the choir. I worshiped just like everybody else did. Until one night when I was 23 years old, I was sound asleep and God woke me up. It was around 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And he started telling me, not literally, but to my heart, that I truly did not know Jesus. And I started arguing with God. Have you ever argued with God? I said, God, remember that night when I was little, when I knelt at that altar? And y'all, it was like he played that video back in my mind of me kneeling at that altar. Do you remember what I said? I said I cried. That's all I did. I had an emotional experience. So I got out of my bed. I went to another room in the house, just me and God. And I knelt. And I asked him, first off, to forgive me for fooling so many people. I haven't fooled myself for a while. Everybody thought I was a Christian. Everybody thought I was a true believer in Christ. So I asked him to forgive me for that. And I asked him to forgive me of my sins, and to come into my heart and to be Lord of my life. Now, boys and girls, for God to be Lord of your life, He's the boss of your life, and He can He has control over you. So when I asked God to forgive me, I repented of my sins, and I thanked Him for doing that. Well, I got up and I went back into the bedroom and I laid down, and David was like, well, "What are you doing?" And I said. I just asked Christ in my heart, I just got saved. And he said, well, lay, lay down, it'll be okay. Cause you know, he was a tear too then. So the next morning I got up and I called my pastor and I told him I needed to come and see him. And David and I were in the process of moving and he thought I was coming to tell him that we were gonna move to another church. So when I sat down and told him that I got saved that night before, he was shocked. See, I would even fooled the pastor. He said, well, what do you think you need to do? I said, well, I need to get baptized. I said, I know I've already been baptized, but I have my baptism and my salvation out of order. So I was baptized. And I began to follow the Lord. The days that I didn't take time to sit down and have a quiet time with him, I mourned for that. I wanted that. I longed for that. So you say, okay, Donna, what's the difference in you now and before? Well, now, I love the Lord with all my heart. And everything I do, as Jacob said, I want to do it to please him. I want him to look at me and tell God I'm very pleased with Donna with what she does. Now, since that time... Has my life been a bed of roses? Absolutely not. I've gone through hard times. I've gone through bad times. But what does the Bible tell us about God? He'll stick closer to us than a brother. And He is always there for me. No matter what I need or when I need it, He's always there. So, I'm not a tear anymore. I'm among the wheat. And I thank God for that every day and I thank you that I had a chance to come up here and tell you my story.
1: Thank you, Donna. He said, "David, what was it like living with a tear?" Well, if you're a tear, you don't know the difference. Tear didn't know the difference. Donna was a tear. I'll never forget she came back to bed and and uh, I said, uh, "Why are you crying?" She said, "Cause I'm happy." I said so why are you happy she said because I've just invited Jesus Christ to come to my heart I looked at her and I said well good come on back to bed you'll get over it and everything will be okay that's a tear she came back to bed but I'm gonna tell you something she never got over Jesus Christ he said David I've been going to church all my life and I know if I die, I'm gonna to go to heaven listen friend you can go to church all your life and still split hell wide open so you can be born in a McDonald's but bless God it don't make you a Big Mac amen You have got to be born again if you want to go to the kingdom of God. And so we see here they're planted together. Number two, they progress together. They progress together. Notice what takes place here. The first thing we notice here is they progress alongside together. When you look at verse 28, the latter part of verse 28, let me read that to you. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? Gather them up. In other words, they progress alongside together. The tares, the good seed, have been entangled together. They're in the same field. Here's what that looks like. They live together. They go to school together. They go to the same Sunday school class. They go to the same worship service. They hear the same preaching. They get baptized together. I'm telling you, they're together. And so what happens is here when this takes place, as they go together, then they, not only do they progress alongside together, then what happens is that they progress for a long time together. They're progressing alongside together and then for a long time together. You said, David, how is it that two people could be in the same service, hear the same message, God and the Holy Spirit convict the same people, and yet one gives their life to Christ and one doesn't? Listen, I don't know how it happened to you, but let me tell you how it happened to me. Well, as a 12-year-old boy, a preacher did give an invitation. He said, if you want to come down front, he'd been preaching, you need to come down front to come down front. I grew up in another denomination, and in that denomination, an invitation was never given. The cross was never preached. The blood was never sang about. Repentance was never expressed, or forgiveness was never shared to be needed. So the first time I went to a Baptist church when the preacher preached, I'm going to be honest with you, I was scared to death. I didn't know whether to cry or to laugh. I was just scared to death. But I'm going to tell you, after I went there two or three times, I realized what sin was. I realized I was a sinner. But the preacher said, come down front. So I came down front, took the preacher by the hand. He set me down right on the seat there, Chris. And the lady got off the piano, took the proverbial card, filled out my name and address, said, come back next Sunday, we're going to baptize you. Listen to me. For 15 years, 15 years, if I'd have died, I would have gone straight to hell. You can walk an aisle. You can take every preacher in the world by the hand. I'm telling you, you can quote scripture. Even the devil can quote scripture, amen. You can do a lot of things. Get baptized. But I wasn't saved. I didn't know what Christ was. I was a tear. Matter of fact, I was so good, I'm telling you right now, I was a Sunday school teacher, ordained deacon. Shame, how would it be to have a deacon that would be lost? I'm telling you, I was lost. Ordained deacon. But on July the 29th, 1984, on a Tuesday night, battling with conviction of sin. I simply said, God, here's and here's what some of you need to do. I'm not going to preach too much longer. So you said, David, you're not going to be long. No, I'm not going to be. Listen, when the Holy Spirit's moving, you don't have to preach long. And here's what I said. God, if I'm not a child, your child, will you show me? Will you convict me? My heart like to literally came out of my chest. You see, the Spirit of God, Romans 8 says in verse 16, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit whether or not you're not child of God. In verse 9, it says, He who has the Spirit of God is a child of God, but he that does not have the Spirit is not a child of God. I was under great conviction. And then I said, Well, God, if I'm not saved, where did I miss you? And I'm telling you, I can take you back. I can see walking down that aisle. I can see taking that preacher by the hand. I can see sitting down, giving the information on that card, getting baptized. I can see all that. But what I could not see in any of that was when I repented of my sin and invited Jesus into my heart. No one shared that with me. No one explained that to me. I thought going down an aisle, coming to the front, I was going to heaven. Listen, friend, you can sit on the front seat of a bus and still miss the stop. Progressed alongside together. Progressed for a long time together. And then, how long did they progress, David, until the reapers come? They grew together. They had the same sun. They were in the same soil. They had the same fertilizer. They got the same rain. But here's the difference between the wheat and the tare. The wheat grows in grace, and the tare only grows in knowledge. That's the difference between the wheat and the tare. You say, David, what will keep people from being saved? Here's the question. What will keep you from being saved? One night, got through preaching, stood off of this platform right here. We had a pastor who was in transition, and his wife and he were coming here. And after I got through preaching, I stood right down here. Jeff, you may remember this. When that happened, all of a sudden, I saw his wife get up, preacher's wife, get up, come down to the aisle. She got right next to me, and she put her arms on me, and she started crying. She said, I want you to know, I am lost. I am hell bound. You said, David, what were you preaching? I don't know, but it wasn't this message. What it is is the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of her. And I said, are you kidding me? She said, no, I'm lost. I said, well, why in the world has kept you from being saved? And here's what she said. I'll never forget it. Pride. She said, I didn't want to embarrass my husband because he was a preacher. And I didn't want people to know he was married to a woman that was not saved. And she said, pride has almost carried me to hell. She said, but sitting back there tonight, the Holy Spirit of God said this. Is hell worth your pride? Listen to me, friend. All the pride in the world is not worth going to hell. I was standing here again. Right there. Imitation given. Gary, you know, our agriculture commissioner, he came walking down the aisle weeping and crying, fell on my shoulders. He said, I'm 99% sure that I'm saved. He said, But I'm telling you, I'm lost. He said, My pride has kept me putting a number nine, another nine, another nine, nine, another nine, and another nine, and another nine. He said, but I never repented of my sin and placed my faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I want to do that right now. He said, "Will you kneel down here at the altar with me. We nailed right down there on this altar, right here where I'm pointing to. And Gary Black prayed to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. It happened. Pastor Shane was just reminding me back a while ago. He said, David, you remember, or you could go to church and deacons get saved. One night I got through preaching, and I was out the door. I had another man with me by the name of Coulter McGinnis. He is dead and gone to glory. Praise God. But we were walking down the hallway. No one was with us. And as soon as I was about to go out the door, something grabbed me back here and literally scared me. I'm, listen, with me, it's fight or flight. It's fight. When the epinephrine gets to rolling, I don't run. I turn around, Okay. And I, what do you want? I mean, I was rough with him. And he said, well, look, all I want to do is get saved. I said, well, bless God you can get saved. And he said this. I'll never forget it. He said, I was too embarrassed to come down to the altar the night when the invitation was given. I said, why are you embarrassed? He said, because I'm a deacon. But I didn't want you to leave until I gave my life to Christ. I said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. The happiest person that's going to know about your salvation outside of yourself and your wife is going to be your pastor. I ushered him around. We turned around. We walked back down there and found his pastor. I said, Pastor, you got a brand-new deacon. Tell him what you just did. He said, first off, I scared the preacher nearly to death. <laughs> Number two, I received Christ tonight in my Savior. I was so embarrassed to tell you, Pastor, I know I needed to do it. But I was so proudful, I didn't want you to realize that you had a deacon serving under you that was lost. It happens. They progress alongside together, they progress for a long time together, and then they progress alike. They progress alike. Now, watch this, we're about through. Say, David, what's the difference between a wheat and a tare? They're both plants, they both grow to about the same height. They have the same blade and they both produce a head. But here's the difference. If you take the wheat and open it up, you'll have a kernel. But you take the tear, which is darnel, you open it up, it's empty. There's nothing inside. And you can't tell the difference until the harvest. And here's the relationship that I'm saying. Many of you in here, this room, many of you watching via the internet or whatever platform you're looking on, you would look at yourself and you would say this You know what? I do all the things that He has said, but when I look into my heart and the Holy Spirit shows me, I'm empty. Christ is not there. And by the way, friend, you can't tell him and I can't tell him. Did you notice what the the, the men wanted to do? His servants went to him and said, do you want us to go rip them up? He said, no, they're entangled with the roots. And by the way, when the harvest comes, then we'll know the truth. And they'll be separated. And so we see they're planted together. They progress together. But they're processed separately. They're processed separately. Look in verse 30, what it says again. He who is with me, or uh, verse 30, sorry, got to turn over. Verse 30, it says this. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. It's at the harvest. It's at the end of the age. And so here's what's going to happen. what's going to take place? The first thing that's going to take place according to the Word of God is that the tares are going to be brought out. The angels are the reapers. God's going to send His angels. They're going to come, and when the end of the age is here, and He's going to take the false, the counterfeit, the unreal, those who have been to church, they've been baptized, they've got their name on the roll, they've done all these wonderful things, but the Bible says they have an empty heart. There's nothing inside, and so the tares are together. And he says, what do you do with them? The Bible says when he gets through with them, he bundles them up, and he places them, and he stores them into the lake of fire. They're burned up, the tares. They go to hell. Then you look at the wheat. Who's going to do the harvesting there? The Lord Jesus himself is going to do the harvesting there. He said, David, when will the harvest take place at the end of the age when the tares have already been carried out? Where will the harvest be stored into heaven? Amen? It will be stored in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice what he says in verse 43. I think this is very important as we come to the end of this passage of Scripture here. Notice what he says here. He says, Then the righteous will shine forth in the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears let him hear. Today, dear friend, I don't just ask you to hear with the physical ears on the side of your head. I'm asking you to hear with the spiritual ears that are leading all the way down to your heart. He said, herald the message. What does it say? He who has ears, let him hear. So here's what some people will say. Some people will say, well, David, the devil's trying to make me doubt my salvation. Let me go ahead and say something to you, friend. The devil will deceive you in your salvation. He'll do that. And self-deception is worse than deception itself. And pride is what the area he uses to keep you from trusting Christ as Savior. You say, well, David, do you mean to tell me that I can do all these things that you've said and still die and go to hell? Let me tell you something, friend. The devil would love nothing better than to sell you a bill of goods to help you think you're going to heaven on your way when you're really headed to hell. So here's the question as we end. I want you to think for just a second as we close this thing up. It's the end of the age. God sends his angels. I want you to use your sanctified imagination just for about a minute. All of a sudden, the angels come, and they start back there in the back, and the angel goes, and he grabs that person and that person, and he gets that person and that person, and that person stands up and says, hey, it's not me. I tithed. I went to Sunday school. I was a teacher. I was a deacon. Don't you know I was the most faithful? I went out soul winning. And by the way, that person. And I'm a preacher. Listen, friend, I'm going to tell you something. You can be a preacher, people can be saved. You see, the power's not in the man, it's in the message. And so the angel goes over, gets that person, that person, that person, that lovely sweet wife who's been so faithful to her husband, that sweet young teenage boy who has been faithful to his mom and dad, read his Bible, gone to Sunday school, done all those things. That dear lady had a lady one night 81 years old when I got through preaching this lady got up she came down to the aisle I thought she wanted me to pray for her. I met her right down here She came to me and she said David. I want you to know I want you to pray for me But I don't want you to pray what you think I said, what do you want me to pray? I didn't have no idea. She said, I'm lost. I'm 81 years old. She said, I was in the sunbeams. I mean, she started listing all the things. Way back when, are y'all okay in Baptist life? She said, but one thing I'm not. I'm not born again. She said, but I want to be born again. Will you stay right here and pray with me while I ask Jesus into my heart? The angel finally gets all the tears. God's Word gives a clear illustration of what that's going to be. He's going to package them up, bundle them up, and He's going to put them forever in the lake of fire. Judgment is going to come. Here's the question. The angel came today. Judgment was over. Where would you be? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Where would you be? Where would you be today? Dear friend, eternity is too long for you to be wrong. And I'm asking you today, God has given me this message to preach. Of all the sermons that I ever preach, I'm telling you, and I've been preaching there for 35 years, this is the sermon that I battle the most with from the devil himself because I'm telling you, we're going to expose counterfeits today. And don't you let pride keep you from doing what you need to do. The most important thing you need to do right now is, number one, is do this. Everyone do this. Ask yourself this question. Ask God this question. God, am I truly born again? what not you ask him that right now? God, am I truly born again? And God, if I'm not truly born again, will you bring great conviction on my heart? God, bring great conviction on my heart. And as God's bringing that conviction on your heart, then I want you to ask God this. Dear God, Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you come into my heart and be my Savior? I'm turning from my sin in myself, and I'm trusting you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And dear friend, if you prayed that, and you meant that from the bottom of your heart, I want to celebrate with you today, and I want to thank God for you this morning. And if you'd be so bold and be so kind to say, David... I'm not ashamed. I'm so thankful. I'm like Donna. I'm like you, David. I'm so excited now that I don't have to worry about that. The fear has gone. And now Jesus Christ is my Savior. I want to pray for you this morning. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward by any means. But I am going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Today you trusted Christ as Savior. Would you just raise your hand? You just hold your hand up while I look around. Thank you. God bless you, ma'am. Hold your hand up. Just hold it up. Hold it up until like we can see it anybody else thank you you can put your hand back down okay if you prayed to receive Christ and you raised your hand if you didn't I want you to look up here at me no one's looking but just me no one's looking just me if you meant it just nod your head did you mean it with all your heart God bless you I'm looking around anyone else I can see anyone else God bless you here's what I want you to do I want you to number one I'm gonna pray for you before you leave we're gonna be dismissed in just a moment Pastor Shane is going to be in this room, first room on your left, and you go out. He's got a book he wants to give you, and I want to share, he wants to share an encouraging word with you. So if you'll stop by there and see him today, I'm telling you, he'll rejoice with you. He'll pray for you, and we'll help you get started now on your step of faith as you begin to walk in faith. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. You can do that. God bless you. Anybody else before we leave want to raise your hand and say, pray for me, David. I'm fixing to pray. Anybody else? Let me talk to you at home. I know many of you are watching at home. Maybe you're down there on the beach. I know you're on vacation. But you realize for the very first time, the truth be known, you examine yourself to see if you have the faith. You've never received Christ as Savior. Today, you can trust Christ as Savior. I pray that you prayed and Christ into your heart when I was leading these in this room to trust Christ as Savior. I'd really love to hear from you. I know Pastor Shane would. You could Facebook him. You can send a message, email to our church. I'm telling you, we want to give you the information you need to help you get started. It's free. Our pastor wrote this information just a few years ago. It's a seven-day journey just to get you started now that you've trusted Christ as Savior. We'd love to give that to you at no expense. Well, Father, we love you. We thank you today for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. Thank you for saving souls in this room. Thank you for saving souls literally around the world. And God, we pray in the name of Jesus that we'll be connected to your work, your mission, seeing souls saved. We love you, and God, would you continue to bless. We ask in Jesus' name,
0: amen. Thanks for listening. As a pastor, my primary concern is your eternity. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 13, that you can know where you will spend eternity. I would love to connect with you and talk more about your walk of faith. You can email and find more information about the ministry of Maysville Baptist Church on our website. Just type maysvillebaptist.net in your search engine. Also, you can support this ministry through our website, or by mailing your gift to 8875 Highway 82 Spur Road, Maysville, Georgia, 30558. God bless you, and I hope you tune in next week, where once again, we turn our hearts towards the Word of God.